Well, welcome again to another podcast, Down to Earth, but Heavenly Minded. I'm your host, Irv Risch. And as we move forward, we're going to be going through the entire New Testament. Uh, and with that, we're going to do a commentary afterwards. And uh, with that said, let us just move on to our next section. And thank you for joining me. Chapter 20 Now on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, 
We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John chapter 20 9. The Son of God's Triumph, chapter 20 Ah, uh, the empty tomb, 20 verses 1 to 10 20 verse 1 The first day of the week was Sunday. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb before dawn. It is probable that the tomb was a small room carved in the side of a hill or cliff. The stone was no doubt shaped like a coin round and flat. It would fit into a groove or gutter along the front of the tomb and could be rolled across the door to close it. When Mary got there, the stone had been removed already. This, incidentally, had taken place after Christ's resurrection, as we learn in Matthew 28. 20 verse 2 Mary immediately ran to Peter and John with the breathless announcement that someone had removed the Lord's body out of the tomb. She did not say who had done it, but just said they to indicate that this was all she knew. The faithfulness and devotion of women at the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord should be noticed. The disciples had forsaken the Lord and fled. The women stood by without regard for their personal safety. These things are not without meaning. 20 verses 3 For it is difficult to imagine what Peter and John were thinking as they hurried out of the city to the garden near Calvary. John was probably younger than Peter and reached the tomb first. 20 verse 5 It is likely that there was a low opening to the tomb, requiring one to stoop to enter or to look in. John saw the linen cloths lying there. Had they been unwound from the body, or were they still in the general shape in which they had been wrapped around the body? We suspect that the latter was the case. Yet he did not go in the tomb. 20 verse 6 7 By now Peter had caught up and he went into the tomb without hesitation. There is something about his impulsive manner that makes us feel a kinship to him. He too saw the linen cloths lying there, but the body of the Savior was not there. The detail about the handkerchief was added to show that the Lord's departure was orderly and unhurried. If someone had stolen the body, he would not have carefully folded the cloth. 20 verse 8 John entered the tomb and saw the orderly arrangement of the linen and the handkerchief. But when it says that he saw and believed, it means more than physical sight. It means that he comprehended. Before him were the evidences of Christ's resurrection. They showed him what had happened, and he believed. 
20 verse 9 Up until now, the disciples did not really understand the OT scripture which stated that the Messiah must rise again from the dead. The Lord himself had told them repeatedly, but they did not take it in. John was the first to understand. 20 verse 10 Then the disciples returned to wherever they were staying, probably in Jerusalem. They doubtless concluded that there was no use waiting by the tomb. It would be better to go and tell the other disciples what they had found. B. The Appearance to Mary Magdalene, 20 verses 11 to 18. 20 verse 11 The first two words are striking, but Mary. The other two disciples went home, but Mary. Here again we have the love and devotion of a woman. She had been forgiven much, therefore, she loved much. She kept a lonely vigil outside the tomb, weeping because, as she thought, the body had been stolen, probably by the Lord's enemies. 20 verse 12 This time, as she looked inside, she saw two angels stationed where the body of Jesus had lain. It is remarkable how these tremendous facts are stated quietly and without emotion. 20 verse 13 Mary did not seem to have any fear or surprise. She answered their question as if this were quite a normal experience. It is obvious from her answer that she still did not realize that Jesus had risen and was alive again. 20 verse 14 At this point, something caused her to look in back of her. It was Jesus himself, but she did not recognize him. It was still early in the morning, and perhaps light had not yet dawned. She had been weeping continually, and doubtless her vision was clouded. Also, possibly God prevented her from recognizing the Lord until the proper time had come. 20 verse 15 The Lord knew the answers to these questions, but he wanted to hear them from her own lips. She supposed him to be the gardener. The Savior of the world may be very near to men, and yet not recognized. He usually comes in lowly guise, however, and not as one of the great ones of the earth. In her answer, Mary did not name the Lord. Three times she referred to Jesus as him. There was only one person with whom she was concerned, and she felt it quite unnecessary to identify him further. 20 verse 16 Mary now heard a familiar voice calling her by name. There was no mistaking the fact it was Jesus. She called him Rabboni, which means my great teacher. Actually, she was still thinking of him as the great teacher she had known. She did not realize that he was now more than her teacher, he was her Lord and Savior. So the Lord prepared to explain to her the newer and fuller way in which she would hereafter know him. 20 verse 17 Mary had known Jesus personally as a man. She had seen miracles happen when he was bodily present. So she concluded that if he was not with her in a visible way, then she could have no hope of blessing. The Lord must correct her thinking. He said, Do not cling to me simply as a man in the flesh. I have not yet ascended to my Father. When I do return to heaven, the Holy Spirit will be sent down to the earth. When he comes, he will reveal me to your heart in a way you have never known me before. I will be nearer and dearer to you than was possible during my life here. Then he told her to go to his brethren and tell them of the new order that had been ushered in. For the first time, the Lord referred to the disciples as my brethren. They were to know that his father was their father, and his God was their God. Not until now were believers made sons and heirs of God. The Lord Jesus did not say, Our Father, but, My Father and Your Father. The reason is that God is His Father in a different sense than He is ours. God is the Father of the Lord Jesus from all eternity.
Christ is the Son by eternal generation. The Son is equal with the Father. We are sons of God by adoption. It is a relationship that begins when we are saved and will never end. As sons of God, we are not equal with God and never shall be. 20 verse 18 Mary Magdalene obeyed her commission and became what someone has called the Apostle to the Apostles. Can we doubt that this great privilege was given to her as a reward for her devotion to Christ? See the appearance to his disciples, 20 verses 19 to 23. 20 verse 19 It was now Sunday evening. The disciples were assembled together, perhaps in the upper room where they had met three nights ago. The doors were locked for fear of the Jews. Suddenly they saw Jesus standing in the midst, and they heard his voice saying, Peace. It seems clear that the Lord entered the room without opening the doors. This was a miracle. It should be remembered that his resurrection body was a real body of flesh and bones. Yet he had the power to pass through barriers and otherwise act independently of natural laws. The words peace be with you now have new meaning because Christ has made peace by the blood of his cross. Those who are justified by faith have peace with God. 20 verse 20 After announcing peace to them, he showed them the marks of his passion, by which peace had been obtained. They saw the print of the nails and the wound caused by the spear. Joy filled their hearts to realize it was truly the Lord. He had done as he said he would. He had risen from the dead. The risen Lord is the source of the Christian's joy. 20 verse 21 is very beautiful. Believers are not meant to enjoy his peace selfishly. They are to share it with others. So he sends them into the world, as the Father had sent him. Christ came into the world as a poor person. He came as a servant. He emptied himself. He delighted to do the Father's will. He identified himself with man. He went about doing good. He did everything by the power of the Holy Spirit. His goal was the cross. Now he said to the disciples, I also send you. 20 verse 22 This is one of the most difficult verses in the entire gospel. We read that Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. The difficulty is that the Holy Spirit was not given until later, on the day of Pentecost. Yet how could the Lord speak these words without the event taking place immediately? Several explanations have been offered. 1. Some suggest that the Lord was simply making a promise of what they would receive on the day of Pentecost. This is hardly an adequate explanation. 2. Some point out that what the Savior actually said was, receive Holy Spirit, rather than, receive the Holy Spirit. They conclude from this that the disciples did not receive the Holy Spirit in all his fullness at this time, but only some ministry of the Spirit, such as a greater knowledge of the truth, or power and guidance for their mission. They say that the disciples received a guarantee or a foretaste of the Holy Spirit. 3. Others state that there was a full outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples at this time. This seems unlikely in view of such statements as Luke 24 verse 49 and Acts 1 verses 4 and 5, 8, where the coming of the Holy Spirit was still spoken of as future. It is clear from John 7 verse 39 that the Spirit could not come in His fullness until Jesus was glorified, that is, until He had gone back to heaven. 20 verse 23 This is another difficult verse, about which there has been a great deal of controversy. 
One, one view is that Jesus actually gave his apostles, and their supposed successors, the power to forgive sins or to retain sins. This is in direct contradiction of the Bible teaching that only God can forgive sins, Luke 5 verse 21. Two, Gabeline quotes a second view, the power promised and authority given is in connection with the preaching of the gospel, announcing on what terms sins would be forgiven, and if these terms are not accepted, sins would be retained. 3. A third view, which is similar to the second, and the one that we accept, is that the disciples were given the right to declare sins forgiven. Let us illustrate this third view. The disciples go out preaching the gospel. Some people repent of their sins and receive the Lord Jesus. The disciples are authorized to tell them that their sins have been forgiven. Others refuse to repent and will not believe on Christ. The disciples tell them that they are still in their sins, and that if they die, they will perish eternally. In addition to this explanation, we should also note that the disciples were given special authority by the Lord in dealing with certain sins. For instance, in Acts 5 verses 1 to 11, Peter used this power, and it resulted in the death of Ananias and Sapphira. Paul is seen retaining the sin of an evildoer in 1 Corinthians 5 verses 3 to 5, 12, 13, and remitting sin in 2 Corinthians 2 verses 4 to 8. In these cases, it is forgiveness from the punishment of these sins in this life. D. Doubt turned to faith, 20 verses 24 to 29. 20 verse 24 We should not jump to the conclusion that Thomas should be blamed for not being present. Nothing is said to indicate the reason for his absence. 20 verse 25 Thomas is to be blamed for his unbelieving attitude. He must have visible, tangible proof of the Lord's resurrection, otherwise he will not believe. This is the attitude of many today, but it is not reasonable. Even scientists believe many things that they can neither see nor touch. 20 verse 26 One week later the Lord appeared to his disciples again. This time Thomas was with them. Again the Lord Jesus entered the room in a miraculous way and again greeted them with peace to you. 20 verse 27 The Lord dealt gently and patiently with his faithless follower. He invited him to prove the reality of his resurrection by putting his hand into the spear wound in his side. 20 verse 28 Thomas was convinced. Whether he ever did put his hand into the Lord's side, we do not know. But he knew at last that Jesus was risen and that he was both Lord and God. John Boyce puts it nicely, he acknowledged the divinity he did not see by the wounds he did see. 20 verse 29 The important thing to notice is that Jesus accepted worship as God. If he were only a man, he should have refused it. But Thomas's faith was not the kind that was most pleasing to the Lord. It was belief based on sight. More blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The surest evidence is the Word of God. If God says a thing, we honor Him by believing it, but we dishonor Him by demanding additional evidence. We should believe simply because He said it and because He cannot lie or be mistaken. E. The Purpose of John's Gospel, 20 verses 30, 31 not all the miracles performed by Jesus are recorded in John's Gospel. The Holy Spirit selected those signs which would best serve his purpose. Here we have John's object in writing the book. It was so that his readers may believe that Jesus is the true Messiah and the Son of God. Believing, they will have eternal life in his name. Have you believed?
Well, this ends another one of our podcasts. And until next time, just remember, God is out here. And you can find out all about him in your Bibles. All you have to do is pick it up and read it. I have mine right here. And uh, God is in this Bible. So please read it. With that said, bye for now. Till next time.